Yes, Vision Sunday, and I like Vision Sunday. I love Vision Sunday because it gives us a chance to recalibrate. As you all know, if we're not, if we don't bring our focus back around to what we're all about, we tend to drift. All right, right? We we drift away. We think, well, why aren't we doing this? Or why don't why don't we start this program? Why don't we do that? And it's, we kind of drift away, and then what happens is, is we, we put our attention, our energy, our resources into things that may or may not be what God has called us to do. And so it's so important that we come back to it, and we do it twice a year. We have a Vision Sunday and recalibrate, remember what we're all about, remind us to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing the main thing, you guys. And so when, you have and when you're having and rehearsing a compelling vision, it's crucial for a church. It is crucial, and uh, it's crucial for the vitality of the church, life of the church, uh, for us as individuals. I'm curious, did anybody spend a little bit of time at the end of the year this year to sort of like, oh, I want to look at my goals for the year, I want to, yeah, you know, kind of just, this is good, good. Uh, you know, it's your goal to look at your goals. But it's nice to sort of, you know, the fact that we have a new year, that we, you know, kind of start a new year every 12 months, to stop and look at our goals. What is it that I really want to accomplish this year? You know, what do I feel like the Lord is doing? Those of you who caught us live the other night, we were talking about having spiritual goals. And, you know, how do I want to encounter the Lord in 2022? And how do I want to grow in Him? Because, you know, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, right? So when you have something to aim at, and, you know, don't get too caught up in. I think sometimes we get so caught up in, like, when we talk about forming goals or creating a vision, we get, we're, we're like, but is it the one thing that God wants for me, right? And we, we get so caught up in that, uh, and, and there's so much pressure. There's a lot of pressure in that. And the problem with that mentality of there's just one number on the page. God just wants this one thing for me this, this year. And when we think that there's so much pressure, we never really find that. And so one of the biggest questions asked uh, by people is, every once in a while I'll do like the Google search to see, like I'll, I'll open an incognito tab so I'm not sort of like not logged in, it's not looking at my history when I do my search, and I'll do a Google search to see what are people looking for? Like what, what is it, you know, one of the biggest things, uh, one of the biggest questions asked on Google is, how do I find my passion? And the problem with that question is, if you were to ask a thousand people what that means, they probably wouldn't be able to answer you. Like, they probably wouldn't be able to define what it even means to find their passion. And, and, and how would they know if they found their passion? And they can't really define those things. And so it's like there's something inside of us that's searching for some sort of feeling or some sense of fulfillment or sense of whatever, and uh, we never find it because we can't define it. Anyway, it's a long way of saying if you're, if you're creating goals, if you're trying to go, what does God want for me for this next year, don't put so much pressure on yourself that it's just that God has this one thing, it's a little dot on a map, and if you don't find it, you're out of his will. Because that's not how God works. You know, you are literally better off throwing a dart at a map and going, I'm going for that, and I can always adjust that goal throughout the year than you are to try to, like, figure it out because chances are you're never going to figure it out. So you guys can just take and chew on that for a little while. But having a vision for your life is so important. Having things to move forward. Uh, a compelling vision, it inspires us to action. 
have you ever noticed that some people who are always searching, they're not really doing a whole lot. They're doing a lot of searching, but they're not doing much. They're not making much of an impact because instead it's try this and see, what, is that the thing? Is that the thing? I don't know. Is that the thing? I don't know what the thing is. And, uh, and they usually never really go anywhere. And so it's better just to have a thing and go for it, and you can adjust and course correct as you go. But a compelling vision inspires us to action. A vision in, energizes us. When you have a vision, you have energy. And it brings people together. And it, a compelling vision helps to guard against complexity because we, we, we sort of drift towards complexity naturally. You know, just like we were talking about before, how, you know, we were talking about simplicity two weeks ago or last week. I don't remember. All my holiday weeks are mixed up now. But, like, we drift towards complexity. We drift towards accumulating things that we don't need. We drift. But when we have a vision, it helps us to be more simple and helps us to keep from being too drifting into complexity. And uh, in our personal lives, a, pers a personal vision, they've actually found scientifically that if you have a vision for your life, you actually people with a vision for their lives are healthier, that they, they, they have greater health, they uh, sleep better, people with a, a compelling vision, they, they sleep better. Uh, having a vision for your life, it guards against depression, it guards against anxiety, and uh, I love that, and I think we need that. It's no wonder Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, people perish, Right? And think about that. All the things that we read in the Bible. It's so funny how we read things in the Bible and then like scientists in today's age spend millions of dollars uh, doing these studies that basically confirm what God said, you know, 2,000 years ago. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if science would just sort of like open the Bible, they could save a lot of time and a lot of money. But uh, 2021 was, was interesting for our church. It was interesting for, for Mercy Vineyard. A um, lot of ups and downs. And, you know, the pandemic was and still is, you know, uh, has affected our church and affected our, our volunteers, our finances, affected our ministry to foster children and how we conduct that and sometimes even if we conduct that and things like that. And so, man, I'll tell you, it has uh, played a, a number. It's done a number. You get, that, that's like such an old expression. You know, like we used to say that back in the 80s. Man, it really did a number on whatever. And it seems like this past year, you know, it's times like that can shake us. Can, you know, it, it's, it's a sifting. In fact, we're doing a series called Sifted in uh, the next few months here. We're talking about how circumstances and sometimes the Lord can, can sift us. And you, you realize, you know, kind of, you know, who is locked in on the Lord and who is just sort of, you know, God's just sort of a part of their life or church is just sort of a fo social function for them. And there's the shaking. And, uh, and then what's left over is some pretty, you know, amazing solid things and, and amazing solid people. And it can shake us. It can challenge our commitment to the kingdom. It can challenge, it can threaten our peace. You know, times like this, and you all know how I feel about the news. I feel like the news does a wonderful job of robbing us of our peace, making us afraid, and uh, basically positioning our thoughts to buy their products. And so, so uh, I'm not a big fan. 
but uh, I, I am a big fan of things that foster peace and things that foster uh, connection with the Lord and things that foster purpose and passion and vision. Um, but this is still God's church. This, this, from the very beginning, from, from our very first service, September 18th, 2011, this has been and will always just continue to be God's church. And this is his, this is his church, and he is the one who's called us to do what we do. You know, un, undeniably, we, you know, we heard from the Lord, and we have done the best that we can to hear from him and obey him and walk in obedience to him, and that was, is what we will always be doing. That's what we'll always be doing. And so uh, from time to time, you know, I, I might have somebody say they want to have coffee with me. That used to feel like a good thing when people ask for coffee with me. Now it's a bad thing. Now when people say they want to get together. I'm like, I don't know if I really want to get together with you. Um, because, you know, you, you, you have some criticisms. It's usually sort of, you know, I've got some criticisms. And, and I usually have to go, I have to do what God tells me to do. I have to do what God tells me to do. And, and uh, if you feel like the Lord has put on your heart a particular ministry, then go launch it. Go, go do it. Go do it. And uh, we have to continue to just do what God has called us to do because at the end of the day, I'm going to stand before the Lord, Wendy's going to stand before the Lord, and we're going to have to answer to him. And we're going to have to, you know, we will be judged on, you know, did we do what he's told us to do or did we do what somebody else told us to do? You know, somebody else that was well-meaning and, and really, you know, uh, had some great ideas, but they weren't what God was calling us to do in that season. And so, you know, we didn't do it. And so uh, we, we have to do what God has called us to do. He's the one that waves the flag, right? He's the one that waves the flag, and we get behind it. And I think that's so important that we understand that as believers and as a church that we're committed to his kingdom, we're committed to see... God's kingdom healthy and flourishing and growing in our community. And, and we're committed to clamping, just clamping down on that vision that God has given us. I don't know if you, any of you guys have ever encountered a pit bull. But uh, true story. I have, I heard, I don't, okay. It's true that I heard the story. <laughs> that there was a guy with a pit bull that had clamped on to his leg and wouldn't let go. And he he, 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 like, beat it with, like, a lead pipe. It wouldn't let go. The skull was so thick, so whatever. Like, like something about that particular animal or breed, it's, it has such incredible jaw pressure that it just will not let go. And I feel like that we need to be that way as a church with the vision that God has given us. That, you know, pandemics are going to come. You know, there's going to be disruptions. There's going to be things that try to pull us off, you know, and, but we need to be like that pit bull that just locks onto that vision and says, no, this is the vision, and it's not changing. It's not changing, and we're going to lock onto it for his kingdom, and we refuse to let it grow dim. And part of that is just, you know, like we always say, we're trying to bring newness. We're bringing newness to our neighborhood. We're bringing newness to our city, newness to our world. And so I want to take just a fresh look at our vision today for the church and, uh, and even just kind of what does Scripture say, and are we walking in that? And so, uh, real quick, let me pray. God, we love you so much, and we praise you, and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, and we thank you, Lord, that this is your church. This is your church. Um, 
Lord, our service, when we come on Sunday and we serve, we're serving you. God, um, our giving, it's to you. We're giving to you. And Lord, our, our prayers are to you. Our God, it's all about you. This is your church. And Lord, I pray that your word would come and, and transform us, and inspire us, and speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, we're going to start off, we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And uh, Jesus, uh, it's, it's a great little picture, like a snapshot of Jesus' ministry. And it says here, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. Let's say that together. Announcing the good news about the kingdom. I love it. It says, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. Let's say that together. He healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were confused, and they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord, who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So if you remember one thing about our vision today, one thing about Mercy Vineyard, it's this. We are committed to participating in God's story for our city. Yeah, we're committed to participating in God's story for our city because God has a story. You know, we like to think that we're living out a story and God is a part of it, but that's wrong. God has a story and we're a part of it, right? We're living out a part of God's story. We're not just living out our little story here. Oh yeah, God's a little part of it. God's God's a, God, I've got God in a box here. He's in my backpack. He's a part of my life. But instead, it's God has a story, and we're participating in his story. And that's what we're doing with Mercy Vineyard. We're committed to participating in God's story for our city. And we have to ask ourselves, well, then what is God's story for our city? Right? And, and, and so the, kind of that's what loving and growing and going is all about. It's going, God, what's your story for your city? Well, we know that God wants reconciliation. We know that God wants healing. We know that God wants those things, and we want to participate in it. And God's desire for everyone is to hear the good news. That's part of the story, right? Yes or no? God wants everybody to hear the good news. It says right here that Jesus went to, from town to town, and he preached the good news. He announced the good news about the kingdom. Right? And so God wants everybody to hear the good news. And he, he, he wants healing. He wants compassionate ministry and for prayer. Right? And so those ministries for healing, those ministries for compassion, those ministries for prayer, they didn't end when Jesus' ministry was over. Jesus didn't just come to do that ministry and then leave and go, okay, that ministry's over. That's not how it works. That's not what Jesus did. That's not even what he said when he left. In fact, at, at the end of uh, the Gospel of John, he says, now you go, go and do it. You do it. So Jesus, he basically inaugurated the kingdom, inaugurated what God wanted to do, and then he handed it to us. In fact, we say it here quite a bit, God didn't just save you from something, he saved you for something. God didn't just save you from hell, he saved you for his kingdom, for doing what he did, and to do even greater works. He didn't just save you from something, he saved you for something. He saved us as a church for something. We're not just here as a dedicated few to circle the wagons 
and get together and kumbaya every Sunday until Jesus came back. That is not what the church is all about. The church is a force, is an advancing force. We're involved in his story. He handed us the torch. He said, now you go. In John 14, 12, he said, I tell you the truth. Everyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Wow, greater works. Because I am going to be with the Father. And so Mercy Vineyard is committed to doing the things that Jesus did and is doing in our city. That's what we're all about. That's what we're all about, okay? And so we're committed to participating in God's story for our city. And so what is that? How does that break down? Well, it just breaks down just like Matthew says, right? So the first thing is we're, com- we're living a passionate mission to preach the good news. We're living a passionate mission to preach the good news. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the gospel is not quite as popular as it once was. I remember growing up, I mean, like, way back when. You guys, I'm going to age myself really bad right now. But I remember on Laughing. Did anybody watch Laughing? Ronan Martin Laughing? It's such a stupid show. Yeah, suck it to me. But I mean, like, literally, there were shows and, and like, talk shows, way, way, way back, like Johnny Carson and stuff, would have people like Billy Graham on there. Like, as, a, as like a, hey, Billy Graham's on here, and he talks about his crusades, right? Because, because there was a season in our country's history where that was okay, that was fine. It was, that was okay. And now it's like, if you have the word reverend attached to your name, you know, it's completely different. You're, you're not nearly as popular as it once was, right? Preaching the gospel is not as popular as it once was. And uh, in fact, I heard a while back, and I can't, like, validate this statistic, but I heard a while back that the country's fastest-growing religion was atheism because the gospel is just unpopular. And, oh, look what the church did. The church did this, and the church did that. And, oh, the church, the church, the church, the church, the, the church. You know, ad nauseum, right? Even, even to the point where the church is criticizing the church, you know. And uh, I, I don't know, you know, how true that is, that statistic, but, you know, the perception... Uh, having the perception there, it means something. But we're going to continue to preach the good news. Right? We're going to preach the gospel. And uh, we're going to do it on Sundays. And we're going to continue to share the gospel with foster kids. You know, and they're going to come. And they come to camp. And they're going to hear the gospel. And we're going to still talk about it on Wednesday nights. Right? And we're still going to give it away to our friends and to our neighbors. And I'm still going to stand here and go, tell your friends. If God has made a difference in your life, tell your friends. Tell your friends. It's so easy to feel like we have, uh, have done that part of the Great Commission when we hang around with other Christians and talk about the gospel. But we're not. That's, that's not the Great Commission. It's nice. And we should get together with other believers and talk about the gospel. And, and I love having that conversation but that doesn't, um, that doesn't mean that we've done what Jesus has told us to do when he said to go and preach the good news, right? And so we're going to continue to preach the good news. There, I literally dream of the day for 10 years. I dream of the day when someone is here for the first time and they introduce themselves to me and they say, yeah, so-and-so from your church is my neighbor. And they came and they told me about Jesus. And that's why I'm here. I dream about that. I dream about that day. I, dream, I mean, you know, when somebody comes and says, change my life. So-and-so led me to Christ. So-and-so, you know, 
And, and so God has called us to live that way. You know, there's, it's so funny, the, uh, there is an, and I've even quoted it myself, help me out here, is it Augustine? The quote is, he said, uh, pre- all, preach the gospel always and sometimes use words. And actually, he actually never said that. <laughs> so that is, a, that is one of the biggest misquotes ever, and we love to say it because it may, feels really good when we say things like that because it makes us feel smart. But uh, actually, that's not, that's, uh, you know, yes, you should live out the gospel, but you should also use words. You should use words. Use your words, right? We use words for everything else. You know, just look on social media. There's just an abundance of words. There's too many words, if you ask me. And, uh, <laughs> but we are living a passionate mission to preach the gospel. That's what we're going to continue to do. Continue to do. So, um, and then the next thing is, is we look at Jesus' example, and that's that we're living a passionate mission to heal the sick. Um, you know, in Mark 16, 17 through 18, Jesus said, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, right? So for believers, they're going to cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. Yeah, and we talk about that here from time to time. We talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you might even be, uh, you know, back there in prayer or something or be here on a Holy Spirit night. You might hear people praying in other languages. And that's just part of, of the believer. We'll talk about that some more. But, you know, it says they'll be able to handle snakes with safety. That's cray-cray, right? If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. You know, healing should be a normal part of our lives. It, you know, a lot of times we, we get so excited when somebody gets healed. And we should get excited. That's really cool. That's awesome when, when, when the now and not yet becomes the now. And somebody gets healed. That's so awesome. It's so wonderful. We get so excited. But really the way that Jesus was talking about it is, that should just be normal. Like, that should be a normal thing. Oh, yeah, they got healed. You know, and instead of, you know, have it, instead of thinking, wow, awesome, which it is awesome, but it should be like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that happens every week. Yeah, it happens. That happens, that happens in my house like every other day. Right? You know, like it should be normal. Healing the sick is meant to be a normal part of being a believer. And we are and always will be a church that believes in and exercises the supernatural gifts that God has given us. You know, we're not, we're not shrinking back from that. And, and it's one of the things that I love about, like, our heritage as a vineyard church is, is this part, as the healing is supernatural, is seeing these come, things come through. So when people say, well, I don't know, do you guys believe in all that stuff? Absolutely, yes, 100%. 100%, and we believe in it. And we see it, and we've seen people healed here. We've seen people set free here. We've, see, we've seen that, and we're just going to continue to see it. Now, will we ever be a church where, you know, we've got somebody banging on a Hammond B3, and there's people uh, jumping over chairs and stuff? To, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, we haven't seen it. And, and we see the gifts in operation, and sometimes we get stuck on the presentation right? And it's not really about the presentation. And when we look at Jesus, you know, when Jesus went and healed, I don't think he was ever accompanied by a band, you know. Um, I couldn't imagine the disciples, you know, banging on the Roland while Jesus was waving a hanky. Um, Jesus was actually very compassionate, and, and I don't think that, but anyway, that's a whole other thing altogether. All I know is 
yes and amen to all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, yes and amen to, to the kingdom of God and what he wants to do, we're going to do. And uh, so whatever form that takes, is going to take, but we're going to want to make sure that it's as biblical as possible. Um, we are, we always will be a church that believes in and exercises the supernatural gifts that God has given us. They are gifts after all. And what an insult. When, you know, I don't know if you've ever given somebody a gift and they just sort of left it unwrapped and tossed it in the corner, right? We don't want to be like that. God has given us gifts. And uh, so I, I just literally... I. They talk about dreaming of a day, you know, I dream of a day when, you know, people are being saved on a regular basis. I also dream of a day when we have a pile of walkers and wheelchairs in the back and that people left here because they were healed, didn't need them anymore, walked out, you know, and uh, that's what I want to see. Uh, people who have experienced healing here on Sundays, people who have experienced encounters with you guys throughout the week, you know, people that, that you've laid hands on at work, that you've laid hands on at the store and just saw the supernatural, just saw the kingdom break through in that moment. And so that's, uh, God is still in the healing business. That is still part of who we are. That's still part of what the church does. And, and so, yeah, we're living in a passionate mission to heal the sick. And then we're living a passionate mission to walk out a mission of compassion. Oh, see how I did that? Ooh, huh? Passionate mission to walk out a mission of compassion, right? That's just good writing, guys. Um, <laughs> Proverbs 19:17 says, If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. He will repay you. When we enact a mission of compassion, when we are generous to those in needs, we are lending to the Lord, and he will repay us. Right? Jesus was moved with compassion. We read that in the Gospels, right? When Jesus heals others, it said, what he said, he was moved with compassion. And that Greek word for compassion actually has two parts. One part is actually that, that feeling, and it talks about, you know, meaning that feeling kind of coming deep from inside. You know, you move with compassion, and the other part of that word, compassion, actually means action. Compassion. It could, should, could be said compassion, right? And so without action, it's not compassion. Without action, it's not compassion. Without action, it's, it's just, you know, kind of pity. And, you know, a sad feeling. Whatever. But compassion is meant to have action attached to it. And so uh, Jesus was moved by the helplessness of the people. And this is why we're opening a neighborhood thrift store, you guys. This is why, why we're doing it. Because it's, we can be, we literally do ministry to our neighborhood the plan is six days a week. And so that's why we're doing that, is we will get to have neighbors come in, and we can offer prayer to them. And if we wanted to, we could even put a little food pantry back there, right? Start dreaming a little bit, you know? We can let them have an experience where they can come to our thrift store, and it, it doesn't look like, you know, the Salvation Army with, you know, gray linoleum tile, and flickering fluorescent lights and you know where there's sort of like you know you, sometimes you can go into a place like that and feel poor right i want to come and feel rich come over here and get a whole bag of clothes for like five bucks you know and get prayed for and take some take some food home with you if you need it and just be blessed and loved on that's why we're opening that over there it's not because of, you know we love thrift you know <laughs> because we want more to do and uh but we still have, you know, we have money to raise. 
But that's part of being on a mission of compassion. That's why we do Royal Family Kids Camp, because that's the Lord's heart of compassion. That's why we do Community on a Mission Day. Compassionate ministry, it costs money, right? And so we give. It takes volunteering. It takes our time. It takes our energy to serve. It's not so that we can check a box. It's not so that we can perform a religious duty and go, I got that. I did that. And uh, here, let me show my friends on Instagram how I was, you know, raking the neighbor's lawn or how I was picking up trash. Uh, You know, it's not a religious duty. It's not so that we can say, it's, it's, it's so that we can say, listen, if it matters to Jesus, it matters to me. And as a church, that's what we want to be able to say. If it matters to Jesus, it matters to me. And I remember when I first joined the vineyard, uh, I had come from a sort of a charismatic movement. And it seemed, it seemed like those, uh, it seemed like there was two camps, right? You had, uh, you had a group of churches or you had a movement that was involved in compassionate ministry and they were doing wonderful things for the poor, but you, you couldn't find the Holy Spirit if you looked for him, you know, uh, anywhere. There, like, it was like, it was so dead, but boy, did they do compassionate ministry well. Or you had, you know, uh, you had churches and movements that was super, were just super like, wow, I mean, Holy Spirit was moving. It was like total great kingdom ministry, but like, there was nothing for the poor. And, and so one of the things that I just loved about the vineyard, when we first joined the vineyard, it was like, yeah, no, if it matters to Jesus, it matters to us. And both of those things matter. And so... Um, uh, we want to be involved. It's not religious duty. Uh, if it matters to Jesus, it matters to me, and we're going to be part of his story, right? It's all about his story. That's part of his story. And I, and I do. I, I dream of a time when we're blessing neighbors. We're shining a light in Old Town through that thrift store. And I, I dream of having to move to a bigger campground, as much as we love Menno Haven, just having to move to a bigger campground or having to go two weeks, you know, we're serving more kids, and I dream of a food pantry, and, you know, one of the things that we'd like to do here as a church is hold Saturday classes for the neighborhood, and simple things like, you know, how to raise a new baby, you know, just have a Saturday class, how do we raise these kids, the Saturday class, how do we, how do we manage our finances, it'd be wonderful if we had, you know, 30, 40, 50 neighbors in here hearing, you know, how to actually save money, you know, I mean, how to, you know, raise a family, how to do those things, how to heal, how to, how to, you know, get over addiction, how to, you know, just all sorts of things. You think about, you know, the needs are great, and for a lot of people, it's just they lack any sort of anybody in their lives going, let me show you how to do this. And so I remember talking with Pat Street once, and he had done a lot of research on this, and, and I said, Pat, sometimes I just wonder, you know, because what we see in our neighborhoods and we see in our cities is like this, it's cycles. It's cycles of abuse. It's cycles of poverty. It's, it's just, you know, it, what do I mean by that? I mean by that as they grow up, and that's all they know. That's all they know. Just like our first year at camp, we couldn't believe it because we had one kid I remember uh, he might have been Dan's kid, but we had one kid who he had who was there with his sister, and he actually threw his hand back. He was going to smack his sister in the face, and his counselor grabbed his hand and said, "What are you doing?" And the kid, the, the boy's answer, which was straight up, he wasn't kidding. This was his honest answer: was This is how we treat our women. 
and that is called cyclical. He's like six, seven years old, that's all he knows. That's the example that he gave. And if we could even just do something as simple as having a Saturday class here on helping to, to help break those cycles. What are, the, what are the needs here in our neighborhood? What are the needs in our city? Okay, come on, let's do it, let's teach, let's walk with you. And so what Pat was telling me when I was asking about it, he said, the reason why those cycles are so hard to break is that they just don't have anybody to walk with them through it. That the, the, that's, that's just sort of all that they know. And unless somebody comes along to try to interrupt the cycles, like we do with camp, interrupting, interrupting the cycle of abuse is what camp is all about. And so we would love to see that. So I might even be reaching out to some of you guys to go, hey, how would you like to teach a Saturday class you know, for our neighborhood? And we'll send out mailers, and we'll do what we can to get our neighbors here, and, uh, and we'll do that. And so I, I dream of being able to do that. Um, and the last thing is this, is we're living a passionate mission to be a house of prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 13, that his, his Father's house will be a house of prayer. His Father's house will be a house of prayer. Well, listen, as a church, if we're not praying, we're not a church. I mean, that's, that's it. Okay? As a church, if we're not praying, and, if, and, and listen, as a people, if we're not praying, we're not believers. And I know that sounds like super, that sounds like super religious. That's being religiously, that's, you're being legalistic. No, I'm just saying, if you're not breathing, you're not a living human being. If you're not praying, you know, and following the example of Jesus, then what are you? You're just, you just have a label. That's it. You're wearing the label Christian. But God calls us and he brings us into reconciliation with himself. And without relationship, there's no reconciliation. And without prayer, there's no relationship. And so God has called us to be people of prayer. Jesus said, my Father's house will be a house of prayer. Prayer. And so we want to be a prayer house, right? And Jesus said what? He said to, he said to pray for all sorts of things. He said to pray for more workers, right? He just says this. He said, pray for more workers. Wouldn't it be great if we had too many? Oh, I dream of the day, number one, when I'm not running sound, because we have a sound guy, because we have too many, but I, I pray that we, we, we have too many workers, that we can go, oh man, sorry, we just got so many, I'll tell you what, we'll invent something for you to do, <laughs> you know, you know I, I would love the day when we have too many workers. In fact, uh, the Old Testament tells a story about raising money when Solomon was building the temple, raising money for the temple, and they had to start turning people away. They go, no, we've already got too much. We got too much money, folks. Just go. Just go. I'm sorry. I'll tell you, put an addition on your house. You'll be fine. And uh, I would love it if that were the case here for, you know, finances and people. Any church, if you walk into any church anywhere right now and you would tell them what's your greatest need right now, they would tell you, well, we need more money. We need more people, more volunteers. And that's just, just across the board. It's, it's, it's like it's always been that way in, in, or at least been that way in the last 30 years in churches. And, uh, but we need to pray for more workers. And I believe so much that if we miss this part, if we miss the part of being a people in prayer, of prayer, then all the other things are going to lack power. All the other things are going to lack effectiveness. All the other things, they're going to fizzle out. We, we exist on prayer. You know, we do. We do. I would love it, love it, love it, love it if we were turning people away at Holy Spirit night. Sorry, just not enough space. Everybody's in there praying. You can pray out in the parking lot. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, that'd be awesome. I mean, you guys know how much prayer goes into camp. 
I mean, if y'all, a lot of us, you know, who are on staff or who, you know, are, are counselors or whatever, we have no, we don't even see all the people praying, you know, praying for camp. And, and we can feel it and we know it and we need to understand that about the church. You know, I've, I've noticed something about the church. I've noticed something about people of prayer. I've noticed that people who pray for their church regularly, like that is, I mean, that's non-negotiable in their life. They're praying for the church regularly. I notice that people who pray, pray for the church, um, they don't really criticize the church. And let me just flip that over. I've noticed that people who criticize the church seldom, if ever, pray for the church. I don't know why. Oh, maybe you can explain that to me. But I'd rather be on the side of praying for the church. I'd rather be on the side where I'm going, well, if there, I see a need there, and I'm going to pray for that area. I see something there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray for the church, I'm going to pray for the church. Because, listen, when you're praying for the church, you're not praying for some sort of institution. And I think that's the mistake, that's the disconnect. And, and that's, the, that's the disadvantage of, you know, uh, Constantine's 313. You know, the AD 313 when Constantine said, we're going to make the church uh, legal, right? Because suddenly it, it gained, you know, government protection. And I think uh, you know, hundreds of years have passed and people have sort of gotten lax. But when it was, when it was detrimental to your social status, when it was detrimental to your financial status, when it was detrimental, you know, that when you could possibly be arrested for being in the church, people prayed their guts out. And it just spread all, all over the place. But suddenly, we get safety about being the church, and people don't pray as much anymore. And so we need to be praying for our church like it was illegal. Pray for your church like any day police officers could come in here and shut us down, which in Canada, some do, right? In, in, in Austria, some do. In Germany, some do. And so we need to be praying for our church because, listen, it's not an institution. The church is you. The church is the person sitting next to you, right? The church is, is kale, yeah? You know? Yeah. The church is Bethany. The church is John. The church is you, you need to be praying for your church because when your church is strong, the kingdom is moving, your neighborhood is changing, be praying for Mercy Vineyard. If, if you get anything out of anything I'm saying today, please be praying for Mercy Vineyard. Please be praying for Mercy Vineyard, right? And so I do, I do, I believe, I, I just pray for the day and I dream of the day when our prayer meetings are standing room only when people are crying out to God for the city, when people are on their knees, they're on their faces in worship and adoration, they're seeking the face of Jesus for his blessing on Mercy Vineyard, on our families, on our workplaces. I dream of that day. And so uh, I dream of the day when the, when the fires of prayer are burning so brightly here that our neighbors come to check it out because they feel something different every time they walk past here. Every time they drive past here, every time they cut through our parking lot, every time they shoot TikToks of themselves dancing in our parking lot, every time they come and they set up a little thing where they can roll their, ride their skateboards back and forth, I dream of the day when they sense something is going on here because the Holy Spirit is just working in our midst. It's so funny, the other day there was a couple guys, they brought a, a portable rail out to ride their skateboard, you know, it's in, and do rail slides on and stuff, and... I came, I, I stepped out there, and one of the kids 
was, he goes, oh, F. Because he saw me and he thought I was going to bust him and send him away. And so I just chit-chatted with him for a couple minutes, told him I used to ride a skateboard back in the 80s, and we didn't have those cool things. We had to use parking curbs. And, and, uh, and then I said, look, if you, if you get hurt, drag yourself off the property. You didn't get hurt here. <laughs> so, but, but amen, that's right. <laughs> so whatever happens, you didn't get hurt here. And... Um, but go ahead and skate, just, you know, don't get hurt or leave. And so, but I dream of the days when these guys, because they're here almost every day, almost every day, when they come and they just sense the presence of God and they go, we want to, we, we got to get here on Sunday to find out what's going on in there. We've got to, we've got to get here. And, and listen, it's on, that's only going to happen through prayer. There's no, there's no shortcut to that. There's no, like, you know, creative marketing. You know, I'm, I'm not going to start putting Facebook posts up, you know, with pictures of skateboards on. Right, you know, all that's going to do is make me look lame. That guy's trying to look cool. I don't need to try. And, <laughs> amen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I do. When we're just on our knees, when the fires of prayer burn so brightly that people have to come check it out because they feel something. There's an old saying, and now when we hear this saying, and if you hear everything literally, you're going to really be turned off by this one. But the old saying, you know, set a man on fire and the world will come to watch him burn. You know, I think that when the church is burning brightly, the world's going to come to go. Set a man on fire, the world will come to watch him burn. Doesn't that sound like the church that you want to be a part of? I mean, doesn't it? Doesn't that? <laughs> you, you won't be set on fire, literally. So, yeah. 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 And so what I want to do today, you guys, as we close... Why don't you just stand up with me? And um, Chris, did you have something you wanted to share? Wendy has something she wants to share. <laughs> you can use the handheld. If no, this is fine. Y'all okay. can hear me. Right? Get in there. Get in there. Uh, so there's two things that I just felt like the Lord brought to my mind when um, Tim Michael was saying. And one is... Um, it's easy to look at the church as, um, you know, what we do as a church as we do that. Like you guys could look at, oh, Lee and Wendy are doing this thing and this thing. Maybe I'll be a part of that. Maybe I won't. And yeah, we are making a lot of decisions, but um, you guys are the church. Like we can't do anything without you. And I just felt like that what God was saying is like, you guys are the church. You are the heart of Mercy Vineyard. And we are just the stewards. Like, we're just here, like, facilitating what God has called you to do as a part of the church. We're just here to facilitate it. And we're also here to, like, enable you to do what God is calling you to do. You know? So, like, I know it's been on um, the heart of someone here to do a food pantry. And we want to do that. Um, but we are not the church, right? And so we all have to do that. That was the first thing, and I could go on that for a long time, so I won't. And then the second thing was when he was talking about prayer, um, something that I just felt really impressed to say is that when you're feeling negative about church, like at large, or this church, anything to do with church, when you're feeling negative, 
um, whether it's because you don't like the way things are being done or whether you're discouraged about the way people are acting in the church or whatever. That's the time to pray. That's the time to take that to the Lord and say, God, I don't want the church to look like that. Help me to be part, you know, to change that, to, to be a part of the one that comes in with great faith or the one that comes in with positivity or the one that comes in with love and grace for others or accepts people that don't feel accepted. All those things. If you don't feel accepted, go look for somebody else who doesn't feel accepted and, and pour that on them. Like, you are the church, right? Mm-hmm. So I won't think. Yeah, yeah. It's important to understand that. Uh, I mean, that you are the church. We are the church. And you, know, you can take the approach of I am the church and, and, and the church is my responsibility. And it is. Or you can take more of a consumer approach and go, well, you know, I want to be where this is happening or where the music is this style or where, you know, and that's not, that's not being a part of the church. That's not taking responsibility, you know. And so we have to understand, okay, so I'm not going to preach again. Um, but I do, I do feel... passionate about yes. the church. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, what we're going to do as we stand here is I just want to just, I don't know, just take the last few minutes of this service to turn it into a prayer meeting because we're called to be a house of prayer. Uh, but I do, I feel like the Holy Spirit was saying, Leslie, that, um, that God has really put uh, some unique and probably more effective gifts than you even realize in you. And, um, and that they're, I mean, yeah, they're great and they're fun and you can use them for whatever, you know, because they're gifts. They're gifts, right? And you can have fun. We have, God wants to have fun with our gifts. But also that they have greater kingdom purpose than you realize. So whatever. Take that, take that, take that however you, you, you want to take it. So, um, but, so let's, let's just pray. And just, if you feel led to lead us in prayer, lead us in prayer. You don't have to come up here, no microphone, just pray from where you're at. And uh, just pray so that we can hear you and agree with you. And so, um, we're just going to do that. Just going to spend a few minutes praying for Mercy Vineyard. That's what we're praying for. So we're praying for Mercy Vineyard. Okay, praying for our church. So I'll start us off. God, we love you.